All right, I am so excited to talk about the song this week. It took a ton of YouTube research. So many covers. This wow, is a really? huge song. This is one of the biggest. It turns out this is one of their biggest songs. Seriously? Because I like did not pull up that much in my deep dive. Are you kidding me? This song is classic. Just from that opening. Uh... Oh, I'm just going to skip ahead. Yeah. Running with the devil. I can't wait to talk about this song. It's so good. Danny? Yeah, I mean, do you think it's kind of like an ironic thing? Because you're a Christian band, so you're like running with the devil because you're going to like get close to him and get him. We've been doing this for a year. We do a Reliant K podcast. Yeah, Reliant K. This is right here. It says on my Who the fuck is Van Halen? Down to the train track, gonna relax Try to explain that I rarely feel alive Unless I'm running for my life Oh right, it's me. Hello everyone and welcome to Sadie Hawkins Pod. Hello, okay, turns out there aren't that many covers of the song that I thought. We're not doing Running with the Devil, that's not a Reliant K song. <laughs> I, got her, I got it figured out this time. We're doing this song. <laughs> We're running down a dream with Tom Petty. Damn it! I thought this was Reliant K as well. Ugh. So many run-in songs. So many run-in songs. And I only picked songs that don't have the G in run-in. Only songs right. with the... With the you know what else they don't have in them? God. I mean the ones you picked, not the <laughs> right. Reliant K one. Obviously. Well, obviously the first one we talked about doesn't have God in it. It has the devil. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. And a wise man once said, you are the devil and the devil is bad. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sadie Hawkins Pod. <laughs> this Resetting week, again after this more week, of my we're, nonsense. we're talking about running the Reliant K song from Air for Free. From Air for Free. Yep. Any top of the show business, Dan? Yes. Well, we had some well wishes after our top of the show business last week, and you so caught me off guard with that. <laughs> I I didn't know that I would. I had forgotten that we were going to talk about it and we actually recorded that like first thing in the morning so I'd like gotten up I'd had maybe two sips of coffee and we jumped right into it and I was like oh right well because got we were talking about this and so I'm just kind of like uh yeah we recorded it twice we did and I will say that section like we did it and we're like, okay, that didn't feel good. Let's take it again. Yeah. You can, t- you can, you you don't have to listen too close to hear when it cuts in to the replacement discussion, but you cannot <laughs> tell when the edit goes back to the episode. Yeah. Yeah. We finished recording the episode and then we're like, I don't feel good about this first part. Let's do this again. Yeah. It sounds perfect (laughs) and (laughs) if you didn't listen last week if you're listening because you love the song running we just mentioned last week that uh jessica and i first of all welcome to the podcast if you've never been to listen to the show we're married sorry about the opening (laughs) the announcement was not that we're married but we are married and we've been trying to have a kid that wasn't the announcement (laughs) congratulations jessica you're married to me whoa that's the announcement (laughs) sometime before you had your bout of amnesia (laughs) 
Oh. You fell off that horse. Yeah. It brought you back to the full house. Yeah. I had a twin sister suddenly. When were you going to tell me that we were married? I was going to wait until you met your tw- your creepy twin sister. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in the context of the full house finale. It was yes. the finale, right? Yes. Because we had this issue. Okay. Because I always got... Oh, man, we're, we're trying for a baby. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it hasn't been happening, and we're asking for prayer and thoughts. Sorry, I don't want to leave that hanging if you didn't hear it before. But Full House, I always get the episode where the original kid, a kid who used to live in the house, who's now an old man, comes back and wants to buy the house back because he remembers his childhood in, like, the 20s or the 30s, which kind of ties into the song this week. Uh, and he wants to buy the house back. That's, I believe, like towards the end of the series. But I always think that's the B plot. And it could be. Now I'm confused. <laughs> I always get the final episode of Full House mixed up. Right. I don't remember that specific aspect of it, if that is no, the B I, plot. But yeah. And his name is his name is James Bond. The joke is that there's this guy oh, who wow. used to live. It's a, just a joke. Right. Like, they're like, he's like, no relation. With, or, or like... Not related to the fictional character. Yeah, all I remember was the 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 whole Michelle thing, and that it was going to be the first time that both Olsen's twins were on screen on the show at the same time, and but that like, wasn't that's even how they true. were hyping it. But that wasn't even true. There were early episodes where they did stuff like there uh, when they were still babies. Well, ABC are yeah, a bunch of liars, liars, liars. Because I remember, well, I remember, they're Disney. Does it surprise you? I know. <laughs> I remember. That same marketing of the Olsen twins are going to have, share a scene together in this episode. And then a couple months later, because Full House aired on TV all the time, there's a season one or maybe two, but probably one episode where Uncle Jesse is in over his head having agreed to live with all of them because he was always the wild guy and he wants to be single and stuff. And he has a nightmare about like everyone imposing on him too much. And suddenly there's two Michelles. And he's like, there's two Michelles? And it's just both twins come up to him at the same time. And they're both babies. And so they were in the scene together then. Welcome to Friday the 13th, our Fuller Houser podcast. (laughs) Why is it called Friday the 13th? I'm confused. The (laughs) podcast that we do about Full House is called Friday the 13th? Like, like the creepier EP or... Oh, like the... Okay. Release. Now you know, I'm the Friday so the 13th, the, the vinyl? Yes. No? Okay. I remember that is a thing. Some Halloween next week. you are. <laughs> well, we're excited next week. We're back. We'll be back with our final Halloween episode. Yeah. yeah. Unless uh, Reliant K comes out with a new Halloween EP. Man, I Suddenly hope so. out of nowhere. How great would that be? That that maybe that's the big news that I don't feel one single show in New York could possibly be they've actually right. recorded which more never, Halloween songs, which never officially came from Reliant K. Nope. And now we're six months out from it, and still no tickets announced. So I feel like they are waiting to announce it officially from the band's social medias until tickets are available. Or it's all just lies. <laughs> They just try to trick people. Just like ABC. Yeah, they're trying to trick people to come see a decent earthquake show. Right. Oh, because early in our early in this podcast, an old episode, we were talking about something, and I looked at Song Kick, and it said there had been a Reliant K show in like 2018 or something, and it turned oh. out it was a decent and earthquake show that someone uploaded incorrectly. 
Well, then someone corrected that since then. And I would say it's because of us on this podcast. Someone heard us talk about that. And the, the Reliant K camp went and fixed it. So as for top of the show business, we if have If that was had... you, hit us up. Get a Sadie Hawkins pod sticker. <laughs> yeah. So um, we had well wishes and thoughts from a number of people. And uh, thanks to them very much. Uh, there's one voicemail about it. I don't. I just don't feel like playing it right now, but maybe we'll play it in the future. Sure. Um, so thanks very much. And I'll, and I'll name people who... I, I, I don't know. Is it tasteful or tasteless to like... Thank you very much. If you reached out, you'd know who you are. Thank you so thank much. Thank you very much. It's still we a thing really we're dealing with. It. And I always thank you. never know what's the right thing to say or do. And I hate reaching out for... Anything. Anything yeah. when it comes to the public. <laughs> right. I never have a problem reaching out to loved ones and trusted people. But when it's like talking about personal problems to like an online community, even though I ha- we have tons of trusted friends, you know, online through this show but also through other things that I do Anyone online. who listens to this as a friend. Yeah, exactly. Like, but I have lots of trusted, like I have lots of little pockets of communities of people I pretty much know online and I know they care, but it's still hard to just do that because it's like, it's not a matter of like not approaching your problems. Like I do that. But when it comes to that construct in like an online setting, I don't want people to like think, you know, I just don't know how to manage that sort yeah. of thing. I've yeah, never I figured, I've never traversed that correctly. And this one is a pretty heavy one yeah. for us personally. Yeah, exactly. So it's hard to talk about publicly. Yeah. So thanks to everyone again who have reached out since then. Yeah, thank you guys so much. So, we are not ru- I am not running 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 from getting help when we need it. <laughs> Even <Good>. though <laughs> this week we are talking about the song Running by Reliant K from the album Air for Free. So I took most of my notes. I found a note in my phone that I started maybe like a year ago and mm-hmm. that I last updated, or like two years ago, and that I last updated in March of 2020. Right. So I can go over those notes first and then I'll, I'll let you know when we, <laughs> when we cross that threshold into the next one. Although I think you'll just be able to tell probably. <laughs> so yeah, this was a song that Jessica, we have a cork board here, not cork board, we, a, a, whiteboard. a whiteboard. And Jessica wrote on it the song she wanted to do sooner than later. I had and this four was songs on there. And we've done all those songs. No, this, we, we have one that we have still not done. So you had... In love with the eighties, we mm-hmm. did that, and I—that's all. I mean, you had run in, and we're doing that now. I don't remember the other two. I, I think God was one of them. The other one of them, and then yeah, and then, and then Fallen Out was the last one. Oh, okay, gotcha. All right. Well, and we're to be fair, I think it's better <laughs> that we saved those. Actually, the song, the songs that I put on there should have been saved for much later because once we really got into the the swing of things, right? Well. I mean, when I mean, we talk gonna, about... We're going to go back to the future yeah. and cover In Love With The 80s <laughs> right. again. <laughs> right. Pink we Tux will... Redux. P-Tux Redux is what I'm calling it. So Should um, we go to P-Town to record that episode? <laughs> go to P-Town and my P-Tux. <laughs> P-Town. <laughs> Who, do, well, I don't know. People are from Massachusetts. It's Providence Town. It's the... Popular LGBT Provincetown. Provincetown. I'm not. I lied to you. I'm not actually from Massachusetts. I don't know how to pronounce it. No, back. I would have been like, well, I don't know how to pronounce it. I never go there. 
Jessica and I actually, when we lived in New York, we tried to visit Fire Island, which is because that's what they would say. They would say Provincetown, Provincetown. <laughs> what is it? Province. You got it right. That Provincetown <laughs> is the Fire Island of area of Massachusetts or whatever. That's what they'd say when I was a kid. So we tried to go to Fire Island in like 2008 to check it out. Like not during any of the big famous get to you know no, festivals and stuff. See. Just during a regular thing. We didn't know you have to because it's a it's a it's a it's a close island. It's like right off the it's you know Long Island, and it's a it's another small little Long Island right off the right off the beach. Right? Yeah, we just wanted to check it out. It's, see what all the fuss it's was connected about. by a bridge. Yeah. Well, we thought it was connected by a bridge. We take the bridge over to Fire Island. We drive from one end to the other, and we're like. It's all just empty beach and parking lots. And, and a lighthouse. And a lighthouse. And we go to the lighthouse and we're like, oh, cool. we're like, oh this is cute. Okay, I guess they must fill this place up during the big festival. Yeah, maybe they have a the beach party or they have something. A big beach nice, party. that's fun. We get home. I go on Google Maps. <laughs> and like, Jessica, you remember we went to one end of the beach and it was just like all like rocks and trees and stuff? I'm like, watch this. And I go on Google Maps. I'm like, this is where we were. And I start pulling the map along. And then you just see a town there. And she's like, oh, my God, it's like lost. (laughs) There's a hidden town. You can't get, even though the Fire Island Island, you can drive onto it physically. You can't go to the town part in a car. You have to take a ferry or something to get there. What was our excuse with Provincetown? Because we did go to the end of Massachusetts not that long ago and we were like oh all right this is just well I just never been to the Cape the whole uh, life that I lived Cape, in a town it's like a... I just never been on the Cape my entire life living in Massachusetts and New England no offense if you live on the South Shore we were just like eh, there's really nice parts of the South Shore it was nice we were just like oh I don't I don't I don't get it. It just seems kind of like a, a little beach town. They had very nice minute clinics. and uh, They did. <laughs> didn't we go to two? I think that was more in Sandwich, though. I think that was in Sandwich, Massachusetts. There was one we stopped at halfway through because Jessica started having a debilitating migraine. So we we're like, we have yeah. to stop. Well, we have lots to say about running, but we're just having a nice time. Just <laughs> chatting it up. Um, yeah. And it, 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 so Jessica needed one of those, like, shots that, like... Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's it's a medicine. It's like a sumatriptan. It's a yeah. It's like a heavy emergency headache medicine. Yeah, non-generic imitrex. Yeah. Yeah. So that's unrelated to everything. (laughs) (laughs) This week we're talking about running. So yes, Jessica has. Okay, I don't know how we got onto all of that, but it goes back to it. Somehow got to that from that white from our whiteboard. I think something about how we were running to Fire Island. I'm not really sure, (laughs) but. So Run It is Reliant K's most dynamic song. Some may argue that it's Deathbed, but more so I think Run In, which clearly lives in, I mean, it's debatable that clearly lives in the same story world as Deathbed. I just think that it's such a fully formed song. And that's someone who, as you know, listening to this show, unless this is your first episode, welcome. I don't like Deathbed and refuse to listen to it. So I had to give Jessica the Cliff Notes version of the story <laughs> to remind her <laughs> to remind her what the guy <laughs> in the story is like and why it would could be connected to that story. So yeah, this is. I mean, that's the first thing we'll deal with. Is um, this is strongly believed to be, and I'm, I'm only saying that to be a little bit of a devil's advocate here, running with the devil's advocate. Uh, <laughs> It's, it's strongly believed to be connected to Deathbed. Make a song, Danny. Running with the devil's advocate. 
New Sadie Hawkins pod hashtag game. <laughs> Take everything you know about me Danny a song. and my quirks <laughs> and find a song and make Danny a song. Uh, dance into Dan Splain a song. There you go. Perfect. Which I didn't. Dan Splain comes from five, our friends at Five Songs or Less. They have a Danny on their show as well, and they call it Dan Splaining. Even though it's worse when Dan Splaining happens here because you're actually because you're my wife, and it's actually mansplaining. Anyway, um, okay, so this song appears to tie into the mythology and the fictional world of the song Deathbed, and I, I only say seems to because there's some asterisks in terms of what is absolutely known and what and the one little bit of like firsthand information directly from Tyson on this. So first of all, we know that like Deathbed as a song, let me start from what I know about Deathbed from when, when I did that episode with some of our listeners. Tyson set out to write the basic idea of a song directly dealing with dying and going to heaven. And there are interviews where Tyson says when he started writing the early seeds of what became Deathbed, it was in the first person, literally about himself. And that it then felt too much to approach that directly as himself as the character. So then he makes it a third person fictional character. And it kept going from there. And it became much more than just... Now I'm extrapolating. Now I'm adding my own information. It became much more than just being about, you know, of you know, it's the last part of the song where he actually deals with his death. But then suddenly you learn a whole history of this character in the song Deathbed. So you're telling me he Fifty Shades of Grayed it? Wait, what? It was originally a Twilight fanfic, and now he made it his own thing. It was originally a Tyson fanfic, and then he made it his own thing. <laughs> Can it be a fan? Just with worse character names. Can it be a fanfic if it's about yourself? <laughs> it's, that, well, then it's friend fiction, Danny. It's self-fiction. It's self-fiction. Which, which debatably can just be fiction. I was doing I, a Bob's Burgers reference there. Right. and I totally get what you're saying. But, so... Um, so he writes this, so he, you know, and Cliff Notes version that I gave Jessica, deathbed guy, he, you know, uh, his father runs away, his father runs away from, he's, he's like a guy from, from, uh. I don't think you have to remind people, babe. They know deathbed. Everybody knows deathbed except me. It's fine. So the point you, in you this song. You gave me these, these notes off mic. So the point, the point in running that seems to tie this song to deathbed is the lyric because everyone seems to get s- seemed to get sick and now again oh, and i should also pause and say there's no official lyrics to this song because it's air for free and they've never been published so what's on genius is sort of right no is is and you can but the thing is like he's enunciating this song very well so if we get into like minor quibbles over one specific word i'm sure it's not going to be as uh, altering to the song as forest for the cemeteries or forest for the cemetery. Right. I'm sure there's nothing of that level when it comes to if there's a lyric that's not absolutely correct in here. I feel weird that I called you babe on mic, but it's because in my head I was stating it like we were going to cut that out. And then as it came out and after you responded, you I realized babe. it would not get cut out. And so then I just felt kind of awkward. It's fine. Everyone now knows that, knows that you call me babe. 
I I remember you started calling me babe early in our relationship, and I'm like, oh, this is a I don't know how to feel about this, and you were like. <laughs> My parents call each other babe sometimes. I'm like, oh, oh, okay, that's nice. And then it just became, it felt natural. It didn't feel natural immediately. I just oh. never considered that I would be in a relationship where the person I love called me babe. I mean, now I call you any number of goofy names. Yeah, we have a hundred so names for each other. That's really the, the nicest one I probably have. <laughs> the most socially acceptable. <laughs> so the line in Runnin'. And we'll get more into the specific story of, you know, the middle section of the song running in a minute. But the line that most strongly ties it into the sort of deathbed cinematic universe is the line, Because everyone seemed to get sick except for me and my dad's final cough where they carted me off. So at this moment in the song running, it sounds like this is a young boy who his father has died of some sort of lung-related disease, and now he's an orphan. So that ties to Deathbed, because the guy who dies in Deathbed and meets God with the voice of John Foreman, he dies of lung cancer from all the cigarettes he's been smoking since but I he thought was a he kid. Left his, I thought that he left his family behind and ran away or whatever, that's and then what, he that's, died as an old man. That's what gets confusing for me. He doesn't exactly... No, no, the deathbed guy doesn't run away from his family. The deathbed guy's father ran away from home. Oh, I see. And he, now the deathbed guy, is just like a bad dad in most in in the common interpretation of this. So he's just like a bad dad, and he's definitely a bad husband. It was a shotgun wedding. He didn't really want to get married to the woman that he married. Oh, I it see. Was, it was not a love loving marriage. Gotcha. And so everything just kind of like ended poorly for him. That begs the question... Where's the mom of the deathbed story at this point? How young, if this, if Runnin ties into it, how young is he and where's the mom? I can get more into that in a second. But when you go to Genius and you click the annotation for that lyric in Runnin, it says of a quote specifically from Thiessen, Honestly, that example in Runnin, I was probably least in favor of putting that there. The song existed for a long time from a long time ago. It sounded cool there, and I wasn't opposed to it a hundred percent, but I had to be convinced to do it, mainly because I think it was hard for me to switch to a narrative there. Although that quote specifically sounds like he's talking about the middle part. So I'm a little confused on what he says there, interpreting exactly the full context. Right. Now, seems... you and I have a debate and right. we had a and debate we'll about this off mic and we'll get into this that and a... I want to go I want to rewind before we get there. I didn't know you were going to go into the deathbed stuff immediately I, because I... I had other like very uh not related notes right. that I had to get to first. I understand, but we'll get through this and we'll kind of go back for a second. So, it seems like Tyson's either saying that the idea of putting the entire narrative of the orphan in the middle of this song was a question to him and he didn't necessarily want to do it because the beginning because this song is in three parts basically right and the first part and the last part don't explicitly tie to the story of the orphan in the center of the song so it seems like Tyson wasn't fully on board 100% at all times about putting that section in the middle there or was he talking about just the line about the cigarettes and how that would tie so 
absolutely in everyone's minds to deathbed. Because then my question is, and I'm sure a lot of people who absolutely it's their headcanon might not want to hear this, but I'm not 100% convinced that the orphan of Runnin, whose father dies of a lung-related disease, necessarily is the son of the deathbed guy, because we're missing a lot of information there. Like, sure, the father dies from lung cancer, and meets God with the voice of John Foreman, but where's the mom? How old is how old is the dad at that point? He must be really old, right? Because he's lived his whole life through the course of the song Deathbed. Did he have a young son when the Deathbed main character was already that old? Or is it kind of a coincidence that he picked, that Thiessen picked that the dad of the dead dad of the song Runnin' also died of a lung disease? Or, and this is the other thing I wanted to say, of what we know of Deathbed overall is that Thiessen has has written a lot more about this family tree. Well, I've heard of this from a number of different people that are directly in Thiessen's sphere, and I think it's also to be found online if you do enough deep digging. That Thiessen has like fooled around with the idea of writing like a big, epic sort of rock opera about this family so i'm sure he's got stories all over the place of different people and what happens in their lives all connected to him how do you know this isn't the guy that turns into the deathbed guy oh because his father left him right gotcha yeah the fathers don't line up there i kind of always thought this was maybe about like the spanish influenza in you know (laughs) it could be the 1910s if this is still if this is absolutely connected to deathbed or that family then at the very least, it seems a little bit more probable to what I'm like ascertaining from what information we have. Maybe the orphan of Runnin is actually like the grandson of the deathbed main character. Yeah. Maybe the son of the deathbed main character also died of a lung disease, which would be slight poetic justice, but it just doesn't seem like yeah, it was just like poetry. It rhymes. <laughs> I was going to say, can I just say that I hate that Tyson has his own Star Wars universe going? I bet it's going to turn out. No, Danny, I bet you that the character in Runnin is not at all related to the guy from Deathbed. He's like his best friend's like son or some shit that no one cares about. And they decided at the 11th fucking hour. <laughs> Disney's gonna buy the rights to Damn the Damn it, Connor universe. Daddy. Why? <laughs> Why'd you have to call up again? <laughs> so unlike, and I know this is a very unpopular opinion, and I know most people get an uplifting sense from Deathbed, so I, I preface it with that. I apologize, and I do not mean to offend you. Unlike Deathbed, to me personally, there is a real feeling of hope in this song. He overcomes his obstacles and he survives. Right. Unlike Deathbed, which is very final and anxiety-inducing. <laughs> the hope in Deathbed comes from his, specifically, his final moments knowing he's going home to the Lord. At least the run-in kid, he seems to have a much more optimistic thing, even though we don't get the full scope of his story like we do in Deathbed. He goes to the orphanage, and it seems like then at least if the third part of the song properly ties into the story in the second part, he moves on and he's running from the situation and running to something better. There's that stoic saying that I'm totally going to butcher right now, but it's like, look back and you'll be depressed, look forward and you'll be anxious, you know? So it's like, just live in the present. Um, 
Yeah. So the Beach Boys influence is really apparent in the song, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like a lot of, 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 you know, beautiful layers and stuff here. Uh, the lyrics and the music just go really well together. I think they really perfectly complement each other. And so this is a note that I had, again, from a long time ago. And before I even thought about any sort of deathbed connection or anything like that, or I had heard that theory or or what is true of of that, um, going into Flower after this song, you could almost headcanon these two songs being about the same person in the same universe. Um, And that illusion breaks with Marigold, but Runnin' and Flower feel like they could almost be part of the same story. Yeah. And uh, we actually had a lot of discussion which may, if you're ready to get into this part, no, you still have more notes. Are you ready to get into our our pre podcast well, discussion? My notes are what's going to lead into that. So okay. these are the notes that I took in prep for. We this We had the most pre podcast discussion <laughs> we've ever had. I feel like we say that every episode. time it happens, but this time it's really true. <laughs> yeah, because I had to give her all this deathbed background and stuff, and yeah. So you and I view the song differently, and we, that's what we had a conversation about ahead of time. Right. So. I think this song is just a really poetic way to say the same message Reliant K has been singing about since the self-titled. To me, anyway. It's another song about running from your problems, running from God, and then realizing you need to change and running to him. It's what the entirety of mm-hmm was about. Right. I think Teeson maybe just really thrives in that space of doing quote-unquote wrong in his estimation, and I use quotes there, and wanting to be better, to do better, to be better, and knowing that he can and really wanting to. But as soon as he achieves that falling back into those old patterns that lead to the same cycle over and over again. Right. That's a very common Reliant K theme. And especially, I feel like, in the last year of this podcast, we've realized just how common that theme is. Because from the beginning, we've been talking about the Bad Friend Teeson songs. And if anything, the Bad Friend Teeson songs are a subgenre of the I Want to Do Better Teeson songs, which we've never put a label on. But the I Want to Do Better Teeson songs may not necessarily have to do absolutely with a relationship like the Bad Friend Teeson songs do. But the idea of I have fallen away from my place in life. It's actually this overarching thing. I'm sorry, I'm just thinking about this now. There's this overarching thing of one of Tyson. I don't know what I just said, what I called it, but Tyson wanting to correct his life, right? Yes. Trying to correct his position, and under that you have time management Tyson songs <laughs> because those are the guilt that he's not using his time and his gifts correctly in the way the Lord wants him to. And then you have bad friend Tyson songs, which are also under this umbrella of. He has relationships, not just with girls, he means with everyone, that he's messed up along the way, whether they are with girls or not. You know, one song we know is specifically about Brian, a fight he had with Brian, right? So it's like Bad Frontiesen songs are like, I have a relationship that I have messed up. I want to correct it. I want you to, I hope you will forgive me, right? So they're all under this arching thing of like penitence and asking penitent Tyson, I guess is what we should call it. That's the overarching omni-genre in which contains all of these other minor genres of Reliant K themes. Right. And, and and I've sort of been getting a little burnt out recently because right. every week 
we go over this and we go, oh my gosh, these are all, this is the same message, <laughs> just in different ways. This is the, he's telling us the exact same thing over and over and over again when you really dive into these lyrics, just in different ways. And he's very talented at doing that because he's keeps selling us all these albums right. that are just the same damn thing over and but over he again. Finds, <laughs> he finds 50 different ways to give exactly. the same message. Exactly. And he does it so well. And then, you know, the, the, the character of Matt Thiessen that we are perceiving from these songs can never be the actual Matt Thiessen that's somewhere on this planet right now right. as we're in this room. They're, we're talking about narrator Thiessen. Right. Songwriter Thiessen. But it's like a very philosophical thing of like, you and I both exist. And when we walk away from each other, now like there's, there's one Jessica and there's one Danny. And when you walk away from me, there's now two Jessicas. There's the Jessica in my head, and there's you actually in the world somewhere. This might be getting a little too deep, but you know this philosophical idea that I'm talking about? So right now, there's a million Tsons in the world. There's the real Tson. I should have never let you songs. go back to college. And there's all the Tsons that exist in the heads of fans. And they, we all perceive what he's saying and what he's felt and assuming things about what he's felt through these songs. But my thought is it, on it is like, well, is he really waking up every single day penitent? Or is it just that he writes 14 songs and al- delivers, you know, 10 to 14 songs an album? And it feels that way when you dig into his music. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, we all just assume that Lena eats salad for every meal. But, like, she ordered a salad once, and, like, now it's just a thing that she's the healthy eater. Uh, so, yeah. So I think there are essentially two versions of this song that can exist <laughs> to kind of tie it to what, whatever the heck I was trying to say before. <laughs> there are also two versions of this song you know, largely two versions of this song that kind of can exist in somebody's head. The one where you perceive it as a side quill or a, a, a spinoff of the deathbed universe, or as one where it's about penitent Tyson, and in the middle there's a little fiction story that probably ties into the deathbed universe, because on this quote on Genius. He's saying, like, that whole middle part of the song, he wasn't 100% on board for. So if you take that middle part of the song out, what you have is just is just sort of slightly abstract lyrics. You know, tie myself down to the track, all of this, and uh, I'm running, running, running from... Uh, I'm putting myself in your shoes. None of that is absolutely guaranteed to absolutely tie into the story of the kid in the middle, the orphan in the middle of the song. So... If he had part one and part three, it's a regular Penitent Tyson song, and then he writes part two, puts them together, you can either perceive it all as about the orphan, or you can kind of compartmentalize them. It's very interesting, because you can't really do that with Deathbed. Deathbed is the story of that guy. And it starts, you know, we know that it started out with Tyson saying, I'm going to write a song from my own point of view about what it was going to be uh-huh, like. To I'm going to write I'm going to write a song from my own point of view and now I'm going to change it to somebody fictitious about a fictitious dude who messes up over and over and over again but God still loves. 
Yeah, no matter what, him in the end. and accepts him in the end. And I can't pretend I have heard that. I have not heard that before because that's from our pre-podcast discussion. I blew Danny's and it mind. Blew my mind. I was like, Danny, literally every song is the same thing. Every single song. But I am so ready now to do Deathbed Part Two. <laughs> This because is Deathbed Part 2. Deathbed two, Deathbed was t- way too big to cover in one episode, of course. And even though we had like four or five guests, I still couldn't cover so much of it. Um, and what I just... When you said that, I'm like, oh my gosh. Let's talk... I gotta talk about Deathbed for one second. If you asked almost any contemporary Christian artist, hey, write me an epic song, you know... Don't worry about the length. They, they, they could decide the length. Write me an epic song about the entire life of a sinner who comes to Christ. And when he dies, he meets God and he goes to heaven. I would, I would assume that almost any contemporary Christian artist you would give that assignment to would write a story about a guy who, you know, had a messed up childhood and had a messed up experience in war or any of the trappings of the deathbed song that we know of and then when he finds christ he cleans up his act any other christian artist would write this guy the deathbed guy the guy he loves to smoke ciggies he stops smoking the ciggies after he gets the lord right and he cleans up his act and he would try with his wife and he would try with his kids and his family but that is not what teeson wrote and, I mean, the fact that it's this massive song kind of hides the, this fact to me. But I don't think any other Christian artist would write the song Deathbed the way it was written. A guy who has a messed up childhood ends up smoking and doesn't stop smoking for the rest of his life, even after he finds Christ about halfway through the song, and then dies and goes to heaven. That is, that's kind of ground-shaking to me to realize well, that. Well, no, smoking isn't a sin, so why would he give <laughs> that up? Smoking is not a sin. I agree. I'm just saying... You get what I'm saying? Like, yes. Because this is like, yeah, like if Thiessen had written that proto version of Deathbed from his point of view and he was like making assumptions about the future, that's like so beautiful to think like, don't say, don't contrive an ending where you have gotten it all figured out because you've got the Lord and you suddenly stop sinning and you suddenly start working everything out and, and you never falter ever again and then you die and go to heaven. no. The deathbed guy just has a messed up life from beginning to end. He's got the Lord, and I'm sure the and his faith has helped him, helps him at different points while he's alive. But that's not the point of the song. He keeps messing up. So we were talking about bringing it back to Runnin. How I said that I see this as more of just a more of a metaphorical Tyson, and you viewed it as um, a literal Tyson. So well, you took everything it's sort not- of as it was. Yeah, it's not literal Tyson in the way we mentioned literal Tyson. Right, but it literal to this story. Right. Is how you took it. Right. You took it at face value, whereas I was like, I'm reading between the lines to what I believe it to be. Right. Because I, he's so talented, and I just, I don't know, though, that Tyson can separate himself from or that narrator Tyson can truly separate himself from the songs because every song is very deeply personal. Right. With the exception of Collapsible Lung, where he was not the key writer on the mm-hmm. vast majority of those songs, right? right. Other, he co-wrote songs with other people. We don't know who brought what elements 
to those songs. Mm-hmm. So those songs were not, those were, and that's what he said he wanted, you know, there that you've hypothesized that he wanted to do at the time. He's mentioned that he just kind of wanted to come in and sing at the time. He wanted it to be a different experience. Yeah. And so it was a completely different songwriting experience. I think that when he writes for Reliant K writing himself, that he just puts so much of narrator Tyson into these songs that even in the two story songs that are there, it's still narrator Tyson. Right. Masked behind the story. Right. Especially with that. The, the first verse just really is what really leads me to the, the, the assumption that I made of reading between the lines. Time to tie myself down to the train track, going to relax and try to explain that I rarely feel alive unless I'm running for my life. Putting himself into dangerous situations, putting himself into, you know, the same old, you know, bad choices over and over again. Because I'm over the monsters under my bed, under the bed, but I've got suspicion in my head that I've got the cure, but I'm not so sure that I've got the cure. So he's like, I realize that I need to change. I'm totally going to change because I realize I need to change. So when I hear that whistle blow, oh, oh, that's when I know it's time to go. I got to turn around. I got to turn my life around. It's just there to me in that first verse. That's the, and, and if he wrote that song, it seems like, according to that interview, he wrote part one and part three first. So that does seem to be from his point of view. And I mean, if anything, like, I mean, it's all written in the first person. So even though he's not singing about him, his literal self in movement two, as it's called on Genius, he can't be singing about himself because his dad didn't die of a lung-related disease and he didn't become an orphan and all that stuff. But yeah, the first part is if it was written first and it's abstract enough and he debated putting that fiction story in the middle, what you're saying is completely makes sense. It does recontextualize the whole song when he puts that thing in the middle, you know, or does it? Because I can remember the days in my life when my future looked bright. Isolate that. Right. I can remember doing good when I did good. I can do good. Right. And then before I heard dad coughing up blood in his room and the doctor said, son, he'll be joining her soon. And then everything changed. Because that's sort of the messing up. And it's back before my mom died part. Back before, yeah. Back before that. So then you've got that sort of messing up part Mm -hmm. in a way, looking underneath the layers. There's the sort of negative that happens in the middle there. There's, There's the call to action so to speak, from the hero's journey, where now something has happened and he needs to move on. Mm-hmm. And he realizes that. And so, because everyone seemed to get sick except for me. And my dad's final cough, where they carted me off, they stuck me in hell and they gave me a cross, is the, okay, I need to change. Right. Although, because there is fiction in here, or there, there is stuff that is not Tyson because his mom didn't die and before his dad died of a lung disease and he wasn't carted off to a religious orphanage. That much is true. And writers write what they know. And even if they're making up fictional characters, it's almost impossible to not speak of emotional truths that you know as 
the writer. I mean, some of the greatest writers in the world are able to do that. Tyson's certainly a great writer, but I'm just saying the greatest novelists or whatever, but even the, like some of the greatest novelists, all their, even if their characters don't all have the same voice, they all still have an emotional or moral code or core of the author. Like you can't remove that. So even if he's speaking, he's creating this story of this orphan, it's still, yeah, it's based on Tyson's understanding of, of life and stuff and his understanding of his own morality and his own, acceptance and his penitence and i'm not saying that he even necessarily meant to put what i'm saying the message is about in there i think it just came out he could have i mean maybe he sat down to say i'm gonna i'm gonna write a fiction a flat-out fiction but then you look at it and like well there's clearly like elements of the self in here but i mean that is like i can't think of any good examples right now but i don't know how many like times I've seen a, a fiction work and then you watch a critical review or read a critical review of it. And they're like, clearly this author was talking or this filmmaker was making this because of this Zach and Mary make a porno is <laughs> <laughs> so clearly about his experience of Kevin Smith. We just rewatched that movie recently. Doesn't yeah. hold up in most ways. Talk about is, it's literally just his experience uh, making, making the movie clerks. clerks. <laughs> yeah. But then you look at it, but you're like, okay, well, Zach and Mary make a porno. Like, beat for beat. Like, right. it's like the, you know, the different steps that went into even the pre, pre-production process of right. that. But Zach and Mary make a porno is not literally the story of making the movie clerks. Right. It, because there's... Every, it's a fictional yeah. movie that just so happens to have those very... Those broad stroke yeah. beats. So if the broad emotional beats of this story are true in a way to Tyson's understanding, then that's his personal experience, and that's what makes the most sense. One thing, though, when it comes to the story in the movement two of this song, that is, to me, the most striking, and it's something I've always thought from when this album came out because I had never heard this specifically in a Reliant K song and I've probably going over the songs that we've done so far this theme has maybe been touched on lightly but I still don't think that it has been touched on this broadly and unmistakably before this song is that it seems to me that when you get into the story of this orphan whose parents both die and he's carted off that this part of the song, this fiction or this story is about like religious oppression and like an abusive religious institution based in Christ. Like people using the name of Christ to denigrate others in such a specific way. And we touch it. It's actually a theme that we talk about on this podcast all the time, but I've just never seen it so specifically expressed in this song because he says very specifically they stuck me in hell and they gave me a cross so it's like some religious christ-based orphanage but it's hell and people don't treat them right and then they said and then in the song they say to the character son the church is all you've got now now uh got now so live your life to god now my son, I know you're scared. I know you're young. Just uh, just say your prayers tonight because no one's going to come because no one loves an orphan, right? That sounds so screwed up. <laughs> like he goes to an orphanage and they're like, 
all you've got is the Lord now. They're not even giving him the option. They're not like saying like, I know everything's pretty messed up for you right now, but we're here for you. And we believe, and, and here at this orphanage, we believe in Christ. We're going to teach you the teachings of Christ. And we're going to show you how love and acceptance and forgiveness are going to lead the way in your life. And you'll find a place in this world again without your parents. No, they're like, nobody loves an orphan. Turn to God right now because that's all you've got. They're not saying, they're not like taking him into the fold. And they tell, like they're saying it's hell. And I've just, I, it's so odd to hear a Reliant K song. I mean, I love it, but it's just so uncommon. It feels to me to hear Tyson writing a story about someone being put into a, an oppressive Christian institution. Yeah. And I think that's really interesting because up until today, I had never actually really like, I love the song, but I'd never really looked at the lyrics. I'd never really taken that deep of a dive into specifically this sort of middle second movement of the song so i had never read that that view of it Mm -hmm. i had read it more of like like i said from more of the metaphorical and it's more of you know he's going through this hard time in his life and the only thing he had when he had nothing was that cross and it forced him into that next thing that was the movement that forced him into the next step of his life And I always kind of viewed that because no one loves an orphan, not so much as someone saying it from the outside, but of him saying it to himself. Right. No, I don't think that's correct. I think you're correct. I think that is just like an outside force. I mean, but that was how I had previously read it. Right. And the thing is, like individual phrases and lines at towards the end of movement two, in a vacuum kind of sound like praise and worship like so give your life to god now (laughs) like that printed out on like relying you know like instagram relying k lettering like you get a nice sunset and you do beautiful calligraphy on top of it with relying k lyrics like it's so often seen online if it just if you just write so give your life to god now that's just like oh so uplifting and nice and even when tyson sings that line you think yeah give your life to god now but then you put it in the whole context of this entire section of the song. And the next part is no one loves you. <laughs> no one loves you because you're an orphan. It's like, d- d- no, there might be many people out there who will love me. Who who wouldn't love an orphan? Who wouldn't love a poor little kid who's like sad? <laughs> now I'm going to devil's advocate you because of something you mentioned earlier. Okay. You have annotations. I don't have the annotations. I'm also on Genius, but I don't have annotations there. The only annotations are on the line... Because everyone seemed to get sick except for me. That is so... Oh, let me see. That's so odd. Oh, that is really weird. My genius isn't annotated, but Danny's is. Why is this? I have no idea. Am I on a different genius Different genius? (laughs) Hold on. I'm going to look at the... I got to look at the... uh, the uh, URLs for this and see if maybe Runnin' is on um, this website uh, on Genius Twice. No, it says it's the same song. That is so odd. Huh. Unless you're like on some other... Strange. Am I like on Genius.Russia or something? <laughs> well, my I don't know. They're here. It says there's... I'm not logged in or anything to Genius. So in the annotation... There is a statement made, right, that he said he didn't want to put. 
It said, I'll read it one more time, because now that we've put it all in context. Thiessen said, honestly, that example in Runnin', which Danny now is, it's over the line because everyone died except for me. Honestly, that example in Runnin', I was probably least in favor of putting that there. The song existed for a long time, from a long time ago. <laughs> That's exactly the same point. I misread that the first time. It sounded cool there, and I wasn't opposed to it 100%, but I had to be convinced to do it, mainly because I think it was hard for me to switch to a narrative there. So, yeah, it, it sounds to me like I'm going to actually click to the interview. It's on Chorus FM. I have that interview that I'm oh, in, a, okay. in my deep dive later. Gotcha. Um, so interesting because that's my devil's advocate. What if it's actually expanded further and this section of the song, being stuck in hell, given a cross, being told what to do, being told no one loves an orphan. Being told to follow God. Being told to follow God. shown why he should. He's being told to put these lines in that he doesn't want. <laughs> and now he's having to put the lines in. Well, I'm sure the band was just like, hey, this sounds cool there. I mean, he must have. Yeah, and I'm wondering if like there's a chunk of a song about, about like Orphan I'm, Boy. I'm just playing devil's advocate. That songs do get written that way. I've heard many interviews with many artists that I love where they're like, I had two songs and neither of them was complete. So I chopped them up and put them together and it made one song in the end. So that could absolutely be the case where this middle part could have been a piece from another song or an incomplete song about this orphan. And he threw it in there to sort of complete the song. But everyone kind of had to convince him to do it. Everyone in the room, apparently, Townsend and the rest of the band and Hoops had to like convince him that it was worth doing. I don't know. I know it's, I know, oh, we're already an hour in, but we have to talk about this before the break. Because this also kind of, I mean, it's, it's in and of itself a strange thing, but it maybe gives some credence to all these theories we're talking about right now. So this song, for some reason, when you listen to it on YouTube, it has these very odd edits between the three movements of the song. So let's listen to the YouTube official upload when movement one transitions into movement two. Sorry for what seemed to be dead air, but that is literally how the song is uploaded to YouTube. That movement one and movement two are completely separated by, I have lost the time now. I think it's like almost 10 seconds of dead air. So strange because on streaming and I checked our CD, I did not go as far as to check our vinyl. It is not that way. Instead, you hear it this way. So it just goes directly into it. There's not even a breath in the middle. And then it's interesting on the YouTube edit, not only it's 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 more than just like some weird editing mistake. Like you actually hear that guitar stroke 
right before that, that does not exist in the edit that's mm-hmm. on streaming or on the CD. That you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. That, yeah, that's that that guitar stroke effect that came in for a second. I can remember this. It's almost a little reggae thing. <laughs> so it's we might have an answer, maybe. Oh. as to why that's done I mean maybe if you want to uh, reading into it when we get to the chorus FM well I'll say what my theory is and it's it's always been my theory and it now kind of ties into this discussion we've had that these were recorded as three separate songs and maybe they were even conceived as being separated by tracks like things are on forget not slow down and that maybe there was supposed to be this pause in between. And maybe there was an edit that was intended possibly to go on the CD and the vinyl and the streaming. And then ultimately they decided against it. But it got uploaded to YouTube maybe by mistake or maybe early. And that they couldn't then go back and change it because they didn't want to lose the views and the comments and the community around the upload on YouTube. I mean, maybe. I, I think that it's more like especially with the, the the way the tracks were on Forget Not Slow Down, maybe it's just, and I come from this having read a little bit, skimmed a little bit of the Chorus FM interview, that maybe Tyson's just really into the idea of movements. And that's why there's the break in between. Right. To really clearly define the movements. Mm-hmm. But when we get back from the break, we'll get to that interview and we've got some other stuff. We want to thank you very much for listening to Sadie Hawkins Pod. Please follow us on Twitter and Instagram, which are both at Sadie Hawkins Pod. From there, you can interact with us as well as view the videos and images we talk about on the show. You can also call our voicemail line, which is 402-95-SADIE. That's 402-957-2343. Leave us a message and we can play it on a future episode. Also, we invite you to check out SadieHawkinsPod.com, one simple place to get links to all our social media and a link to our Public store. There you can pick up merchandise, or merch as it's known in the industry. We have our Black Flag parody shirt, our little Sheet Boy ice cream shirt, and our all-new Boys from Canton ampersand shirts that list the first names of every album lineup of Reliant K. And if you can't get enough of us, well, good news. At patreon.com slash Pod, we are releasing at least two bonus episodes a month. You'll also have access to our whole backlog, including our discussion of Owl City's Ocean Eyes, reading through the complex infrastructure book, and the songs from K is for Karaoke. Finally, we want to thank our current patrons, who include Daniel, Josh, JR, Jarrett, Eric, Joel, Connor, Michael, Helen, Samantha, Roxanne, Jimmy Eat Pod, This Might Be a Podcast, Tucker, David, and Brady. We hope to see you there, and even if we don't, we hope that you will keep us in positive regard. What's up, listeners of Sadie Hawkins Pod? I hope you're having a blessed day and enjoying the hot takes from Danny and Jessica. Uh, Brian, do you mind if I say something? Go ahead, for you are a valiant man and bring good news. Thanks, man. Hey, I just wanted to remind everyone of my favorite scripture, Fentuzler 316. For the Zeitgeist Lab Pods so love their fellow man that they proselytize their only begotten opinions about community and drive through records into the world. A very blessed scripture. Of course. And everyone listening to the Sadie Hawkins pod can check out the Zeitgeist Lab Collections pod first two seasons, wherever fine podcasts are found. That's right. And we'll be back with Collection 3 soon. 
Again, that's Zeitgeist Lab Collections Podcast, available on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else fine podcasts are found. So, I realize I have one more thing to say about the edit. It also exists at the... At, there's also a difference in the YouTube edit between movements two and three. So here's the difference between movement two and three on YouTube. So it's a shorter pause there, but then here's movement two and three as most people have heard it on streaming. I mean, it's 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 almost negligible, but it's just like a split second right. of an extra edit between of an extra pause between movements two and three. And one other thing I wanted to say that I was confused about this for a long time was that. I downloaded FLAC files from Torrent of all the Reliant K albums, which I don't have to feel bad about because I have given tons of money to Reliant K and I own all those albums. But when we started this podcast, I was like, I need like top quality CD rips of all of these songs for things that we do with this project. And instead of like going and getting my external CD burner and actually making them all myself and having to label them all myself because the free CD database no longer exists. So when you put a CD into, uh, I want to make FLAC files, you put a CD into your computer and it doesn't even name the files for you anymore. I was like, I'll just go to Torrent and I'll download the FLAC files. Well, whoever made the FLAC files, and FLAC file is like an uncompressed like it sounds as good gotcha. as it possibly can with this technically a smaller file size than a wave file. Whoever made those FLAC files must have just used the YouTube uploads <laughs> because running oh. on my phone's hard drive is with the long pause That's in it. Funny. And I thought maybe the person who made the FLAC files had a CD copy of Air for Free. Nope. They went the cheapest route possible and just ripped them off YouTube. And I'm like, <laughs> well, that defeats the whole purpose of wanting to download FLAC files. Anyway... I also love this song musically. We didn't talk about it a lot, but like that, you know, everything I don't kind of like about local construction and that sort of like fake punk beat, because I don't like local construction because when it gets fast, the beat is in this pocket that doesn't actually feel like pop punk to me. It just, just, they sped the song up in that moment. And I don't like the pocket of the beat in the fast part of local construction. Well, this song is like after bumming is like the most fast in a good way, most slightly like hipster pop punk, hip <laughs> hipster punk of this album is like the first movement of this song. So everything that the fast part of local construction gets wrong in my in, in my opinion, the fast part of running gets right. So we're going to talk about that chorus FM interview. And I apologize because I will be rereading over what Danny read twice already just to put it in context with the uh, the rest of this chunk of the article. It's a long article. Um, and I think we've actually we've addressed certain sections of it before, like as it comes up. Uh, so I'm just going to read through everything that pertains to this. 
Interviewer, you've done some narrative-based songwriting in the past, most notably on Deathbed, and that pops up a little bit on this record as well. You've got something like Runnin', which has those different movements we were just talking about. Does that change how you approach writing a song if you know you're going for more of that narrative-based approach? Teeson, honestly, that example in Runnin', I was probably least in favor of putting that there. The song existed from a long time ago. It sounded cool there, and I wasn't opposed to it 100%, but I had to be convinced to do it, mainly because I thought, mainly because I think it was hard for me to switch to a narrative there. I like that idea in songwriting. I'd like to write a book someday. I don't know if I ever could, but narratives are cool, and I like to read. Songwriting some days, I don't, I just don't want to think about it as a thing anymore. Laughs. Interviewer, have you ever tossed around the idea of doing a concept record? Teeson, yeah. Hoops, it's definitely been talked about. Mark, who produced this record, that's something he's brought up since probably 2002. Teeson, that Deathbed song was intended to actually turn into a concept record. The middle song from Runnin', the Orphan song, was supposed to be the first track on it. Mm. So maybe we'll finish it, yeah. Well, there you go, specifically. And he just referred to the middle song right. from Runnin'. So, so it makes it, I think so you're it's right. literally he wrote that song, and then he said, Runnin' is not complete. Uh, I, I, this part from Deathbed, the, the next chapter, that works. <laughs> Hoops. Who knows? It's something he was not only constantly suggesting this concept album type thing, but he was also the one very much in favor of putting those three movements together. He was really driving that ship as far as making sure that that happened. Teeson. And that's what you want in a producer. You want a producer that's excited about something and sees it as something different than maybe what you see it as. It's fun to follow him. But yeah, the concept record kind of reminds me of Sufjan Stevens when he said he was going to write about all the states, right? We just haven't finished it yet, but I, but maybe he'll write about all 50 states and maybe we'll finish it. I bet he's got a lot of states done. He probably just wants to release it all at once. He wants to do an album, right? Hoops, an album per state. Yeah, Teeson, that's an undertaking. Exactly. So uh, one thing to add there, I have also, for, I've forgotten about this for a while, but back in May... Joel K. Polke, uh, he, our, our listener and patron, he emailed us about how Mark Lee Townsend has his own album called 1919, The Ballad of Rexford. Hmm. And Tyson sings background on at least one track mm-hmm. and produced possibly, I think maybe produced some of the rest of the album. And that Joel thinks this 1919 album has a lot. It definitely, he says it definitely has a lot of the same themes as deathbed, but it is a concept album about the life of this one guy. And so it might be a sort of like spinoff or inspired by Tyson's concepts of deathbed or deeper conspiracy. It might actually be part of that like universe. Hmm. So we should do, and Joel said back in May, we should do a Patreon episode on it. And I think we're going to have to. Yeah, for sure. And you know what else was going on in 1919? Or 1918, anyway? The Spanish influenza. (laughs) Oh. 
Oh, there you go. Coughing, dying, coughing, Edward Cullen. It all ties back together. Wow. Yeah. So we have a Reddit thread. What is this sub's opinion on the song on what the song Runnin' is about? Oh, before you get into that, I'm sorry. I want to say one more thing for, about that uh, Chorus FM interview is that its notation on that genius lyric is very deceiving. Sorry, I dropped something. Is very deceiving. Because when I'd read that notation, <laughs> Jessica's reading ahead on sorry. something. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm excited. Don't tell me yet. <laughs> it has I, nothing to do with the Reddit. Okay. I was... Every time I read that genius notation that quoted that interview with Tyson, I it turned out completely wrongly thought he meant I didn't want to drop in the line about his dad dying of the character's dad dying of a lung disease. No, he literally meant the entire second section of the song he needed convincing to put in there. And in the genius annotation, that context from that part of the interview is missing. And especially because it's on, the annotation is also only applied to the section about the dad dying from lung disease. So it's very deceptive and difficult to understand. I might have to go into genius and kind of add a little bit more context. So, Reddit thread. I was laughing at the promoted thing on here, which is you slash Shutterstock. Invest in skeptical historian. He needs to see all the facts before he can come to a conclusion. Bye, bye, bye. And it's a picture of just like a nerdy looking dude, sunglass tipping with his little librarian glasses. (laughs) Okay. That's what I was giving that weird look to. Can I burn this candle? Uh, sure. It's been here for so long. I just kind of wanted to have the room smell nice. I smell gross because the air conditioner is <laughs> off. It's, it's been so nice and cool, though, Dan, <laughs> the last two days. It has been days. cool, but I'm getting hot over here. Now, lighting a fire near myself is probably not a great idea, but I just don't smell good. As long as it's not near your rear end, you should be okay. <laughs> DCBSN four years ago said... To me, that first part seems to be about craving an adrenaline rush. I feel, I, re- I rarely feel alive unless I'm running for my life. Alternatively, it also gives the impression of someone being in a panic and feeling that the only remaining option is to run away and desperately attempt to escape a fear of something that they can't quite pinpoint. Someone tell me where to, someone tell me what from, all I can do is run. The second part is connected to the deathbed story and was conceived along with that song as part of a concept album. And then they reference the chorus FM interview. My current opinion is that the orphan song is from the perspective of the father of the deathbed character. The third part has a lot of interesting imagery in the lyrics, like the old wooden village house and the grand and grandfather clock and putting myself in your shoes. I've seen some interesting theories about what these things could symbolize. Also, though, in this interview, Matt Thiessen talks about how he sometimes likes to listen to music with abstract lyrics that don't necessarily mean anything in particular, but sound intriguing and (laughs) poetic. I prefer abstract lyrics. And even mixing that with more literal lyrics, I think this sheds a lot of light on what he may have been going for on this song and ones like Empty House and Elephant Parade, where it's sometimes difficult to pin down what the lyrics are getting at. 
but they sound good strung together. I'm sorry, did you just say that you like abstract lyrics? Did we not do the first song after F of Bird and the B-Sides? And you're like, I don't know. I don't know what this song is about. And you got all <laughs> flustered? Well, in the context of our burgeoning Reliant K podcast, I was very thrown off because I didn't really know that there was a Reliant K song that was that abstract. I'm not saying I only love abstract lyrics, but I cut my teeth listening to music with They Might Be Giants. And that's a band that challenges you. And like, don't bother coming up with an interpretation. Interpreting the music is not the point. Although tons of They Might Be Giants fans always do. And nowadays, when there's a literal Tyson song, sometimes I'm like, eh, maybe it's not. <laughs> TBF24 responded to that with, I always thought the middle part fit better with one of the children of the protagonist of Deathbed, That's considering the fact he's he hears dad coughing up blood. Right. But it also throws a wrench in the works for me. I'm like, when did the mom die? And if he's really old, dying of lung cancer at that point, how young is his son? Didn't he stop having kids after a while? Because he talks about in Deathbed, the family, not he does not getting to see his family enough or not even them not even being around towards the end of the song and him dying alone and it's like well apparently he wasn't dying alone if the son was there to hear the last cough like i don't know that's now my working theory thinking that Tyson has an entire like family tree for all of these characters is that this is the grandson of the deathbed character got no specific proof i just think the timeline and who has parents and who doesn't have parents don't line up with deathbed well, now I have a lot of questions. <laughs> is Tyson some sort of like, I, I don't know, seer or something? Because the grandson or the, what is it? You said the grandson of the deathbed character is this kid or the son or That's whatever? That's my theory. That's yeah. your theory is the, gra- is the grandfather thing. Well, then if the grandfather was in World War II... Are we talking about COVID? Did, did, the, did the, <sighs> the orphan kid die? His parents die of COVID? What and else could a kid, what What else could an entire family die of that's a <laughs> lung disease in the 2020s? And how does this all tie together to that Pao Fu song, Coffee in My Head? Need some coffee for my head, I'm on my deathbed. I don't know. It's, it's, it's just, it's a great, great question, Dan. I mean, a, a grandfather born in World War II, like, w- when was my grandma born? <laughs> My grandfathers were in World War II. Well, the one was the other one um, designed and built tanks for it. But I had to, I couldn't remember. I knew he was, I knew it was 1941 in the song, but I couldn't remember how old he was. So the deathbed character is born in 1933. So also, he, was he in World War II? What war did he go nope. to? Korea. Did or he, Vietnam. Did he even go no. to a war? Yeah, Probably he, he went in Korea. Yeah, yeah. He'd be a little old for to go to Nam. Oh, by forty-seven, still kind of works. By out. forty-seven, I was fourteen. I'd acquired a taste for liquor and nicotine, and that's still item after thirty more years, like a machine. And that's what got me where I am today. Maybe he didn't go to the military. Maybe I'm just imagining that. Oh my part. gosh, you've just been selling me lies, Daniel. <laughs> it's not like I'm gonna go sit and listen to the song or anything. Well, well, you figured wow, that so out. So I'm just a bad Reliant K fan because 
because now I'm like, maybe he just, he got me, he had a shotgun Damn it, wedding. Danny. He had a shotgun wedding at 21 and maybe he wasn't actually in the military. Maybe I'm just imagining that because I feel like he should have been in the military. If anyone who knows that song really well, like I can't sing Deathbed if I'm not listening to it i can't I'm, i don't it's too long how am i supposed to memorize a song that long and i can't play it around jessica <laughs> and if i'm being honest it gives me anxiety too so it's it's hard to listen to the i enjoy the first <laughs> i enjoy the first 25 minutes of deathbed but that last f- five minutes it gives me anxiety as well throw away so yeah red said All three parts work well as telling the same character's story. In the first part, he tells of his tendency to run that he only feels comfortable running. There's some tragedy slash pain in his life that means he's never comfortable standing still, letting life catch up. In the second part, we see his childhood. His parents both die of disease, leaving him abandoned in an orphanage that didn't seem to care about him, his feelings, his life. He never really had a safe home to live in as a child. So as he soon as he could, he ran from the orphanage, and he's been running ever since. In part three, we hear his resolution, but from, but not from his side. Part three is from another's perspective. This person is much, ha- is much happier in tone. He's described through poetic imagery, whereas the troubled character from parts one and two is only talked about through gritty, realistic depictions of his problems. Okay, I just want to take that little section right there to say Mm -hmm. that that definitely works into my general (laughs) hypothesis. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because what is a Reliant K song if not the first two parts being gritty and the last part being hopeful? So who is this person in part three? Look at the imagery. I got an old wooden village house. He's got a place to live, a home, an old home. It's been here a long time, yeah, and it's, it's been... not going anywhere. Almost every day I'm running around the block, pre- present, not going away like the kids' parents did. I've got anything anybody could ever want. It's true. With this person, with this person is where you find all your hopes and dreams met. The cold could make the cold made me move down south. Typically, this phrase means escaping winter by moving to warmer weather, but poetically, in the way that Teeson loves to play on double meanings, it could mean the cold is a problem I came down to fix. This person became... This person came because of the cold. Sorry, no, I was just going to literally just rephrase exactly what they're saying in my own words. This person came because of the cold we found ourselves in, but will not leave us there. (laughs) I forgot to wind the grandfather clock, timeless, so I'm spending all my time on you. He's with you always. Okay, that helps feed my theory, although this is in section three, right? Yes. So, I mean, not so much in terms of we now we're getting the idea that section two existed before it was part of the deathbed sequel, but the grandfather clock... Right? That makes me think, what if the... Or- well, how, why would he have the grandfather clock if he was orphaned? <laughs> he, because no, no. now he's grown up and he's lived his life and he's like, you know what? I always like grandfather he clocks. Gets his own grandfa- he yeah. gets his own grandfather clock. No, it's because he's the grandfather or the grandfather is the deathbed no, guy. I'm saying no. he's the grandson of the deathbed guy. Ray isn't related to anybody. Let's move on. Next question. <laughs> So I'm spending all my time on you. He's with you always. 
Piling all that together, it paints a comprehensive poetic description of God. It seems the kid who lost his parents, never had a home, and always is on the run from his life, finally found a home, peace, and continually loving presence in God, which is, of course, sealed by, I'm putting myself in your shoes. This is what Jesus did, putting himself in our shoes to suffer the horrors of our lives so we could enjoy the freedom of living with him. This kid doesn't need to run anymore. Jesus will do all that for him. This kid can just enjoy finally coming home. The parallels to death better obvious, but it also paints a beautifully a beautiful story of its own. And then DCBSN responded to that with, I like this interpretation. There you go. I realized, of course, the reason I thought the deathbed main protagonist was uh, in the military is because his... He was told his dad was in the military, but it was a lie. So he can't be the kid from Deathbed. Just sorry, because you don't know the song. <laughs> I'm like, huh? <laughs> Deathbed opens with, this is my Cliff Notes version. Death Note opens with him being told the tales of glory of people who died in war, you know, and about his dad having died in war. And it turns out that that was a lie. He was like, like a, how Marge Simpson thought her dad was a pilot, but it turned out he was a yes, steward. Yes, there you go. So I was mixing that up. But then that also just kind of shows more why this cannot be a prequel to the character of Deathbed. It's got to be either his son or his grandson or I don't know what. It could even be it could even be the about the Deathbed guy's dad, the one that eventually died and disappeared was a traveling bible salesman or yeah. something i'm not looking up the lyrics right now <laughs> even though i've could got be them his on. father or grandfather yeah. you don't know you know what it could be could be jesus most songs by relying k i just assume everything <laughs> is jesus until proven not to be moving on there are some nice Redbubble song title notebooks and phone cases that you can get that have all of the air for free songs listed on them. Running Elephant Parade, <laughs> Less is More. I just want you to know, oh, these aren't even just from air for free. I don't know. These are just somebody's favorites, I guess. Running Elephant Parade, Less is More. I just want you to know everything will be no reaction. This is the end, K-Car. <laughs> Go buy yourself some bootleg oh, it, on it's Oh, <laughs> Spells out Reliant K. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> That's clever. <laughs> I get it. It took me way too long to figure that out. <laughs> well, it took me way too long to realize that the guy from Deathbed wasn't in the army. He got married at 21. I'm sending that picture to myself right now. There you go. Anyway... Yeah, who gets, like, married at 21 anymore? Everybody Danny knows from his school. Who gets engaged at 21? Me. (laughs) (laughs) And that was not a shotgun wedding, thank you very much. (laughs) Every time I hear the phrase shotgun wedding, I just think of Loser by Beck. Got a shotgun wedding and a stain on my shirt. Gotcha. (laughs) So uh, then we've got running songs by Reliant K, which also absolutely not from Jog FM. None of these are running songs. Thank you. Reliant K's running. I mean, I guess so. Benediction. Uh, not necessarily on my running playlist. 
when I go down. Uh, again, not not exactly a running jam. Uh, a penny loafer saved is a penny. <laughs> Stopping there. <laughs> Getting into you. Uh, again, these are not really songs to get your heart rate up, but oh, okay. Uh, then we have, and I'm not sure if we've been here before, so tell me if you've heard this already. I know we've heard from Rock on Purpose before, mm-hmm. but Rock on Purpose, Reliant K Air for Free, Songs for Growing Up. Does that, that sound does familiar? Not, that does not sound familiar. Okay. This is th- from three years ago by Mary Nickel. Mary Nickel? I barely know Nickel. Growing up is strange when you're a stranger. Sorry. Growing up is strange and awkward. Growing up is a strange and awkward process, especially when you have to do so while under the scrutiny of an audience of thousands. That is exactly the position Reliant K's Matthew Thiessen and Matthew Hoops have found themselves in over the past 16 years. When we first met Reliant K in the 2000s, in 2000's self-titled debut, their songs were full of giddy energy and flippant wordplay of high school boys. The anatomy of the tongue-in-cheek and two lefts don't make a right would give me insights into coming-of-age and college experience. Mm-hmm, five score and seven years ago. And forget and not slow down. Echo the painful relational turmoil and soul-searching that often accompany the, tw- the 20s. Collapsible lung, although less personal, began to reflect a place of more stability. Did it? Every step of the way, the mats have used their music to open a door on the process of maturing, catching lyrical snapshots of the internal landscape at that particular moment. 2016's Air for Free drives home to me more than any other Reliant K release that it is this process of growing up and becoming that has shaped the trajectory of the group's now legendary discography. And this band's adulthood is proving to be thoughtful, intentional, spiritual, and still just a little bit whimsical. Lead single Bummin captures a plea against apathy wrapped in a fuzzy indie rock tune. Referencing his Nashville hometown, Teeson sings, well, not his hometown, but where he lives now. Teeson sings Broken Down on Wedgwood and Eighth, and I'm Bleeding Like a Heartache and Get Ready to Break. And then on Down the Road comes another mistake. Try hard as I might, I can't quite get it right. Those frank admissions of flaws have often characterized Reliant K's work, and it's a vulnerability that makes the t- makes title track Air for Free one of the best on the album, and perhaps their entire discography. Trembling vocals sing over a mellow piano-based... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, I'm laughing because I just realized... Why... <laughs> I just laughed because I was like... Broken downtown, down in Wedgeworth and Eighth. Wedgeworth and Eighth. I'm like, did we even have literal Teeson in our toolbox at the time? Because that is absolutely a literal Teeson lyric. There, he's like, I just broke down at this intersection. Write that down. Put I that think in a that song. Might have been when we came up with literal Teeson, maybe okay. or not. I don't know if it it's, if it goes all that far back. If or it not. wasn't, it it's been around since the beginning of us doing this. David, catch you. Tell us. You know all. <laughs> Those frank admissions of flaws have characterized... Wait, did I read this already? (laughs) Trembling vocals sing over a mellow piano-based instrumental bed. Air for free. If I sink to the darkest depths, will you be there for me? To hold my hand while I hold my breath. These introspective themes carry into 
frenetic run-in, and even tongue-in-cheek local construction, a classic Reliant K cut with a peppy melody belaying the soul-dissecting lyrics. You know what I learn every week when I read these? I could never be a music writer because, like, you just have to think of 20 different ways to say the same thing about music. Which is what Tisha does. 20 different ways to say, (laughs) I've fallen away from God and I need to get back. Exactly. Hey, the Beatles wrote a song. Just a massive mouthful. The Beatles wrote a a Penitent Tisha song. Gotta get back, get back to where we once belonged. Relationships song get about the same Jesus. thoughtful... Famous Christian rock band, The Beatles. <laughs> Slightly melancholic treatment in The Regretful Flower, a song that aches for a lasting love and grieves coming up short. Empty House uses tasteful auto-tune, does it? To play Matt Teeson's voice like an instrument, the vocals wandering through a sparse musical space that seems representative of living in the empty space left by a once significant relationship. You gotta read that one more time. I don't want to. Oh, please don't make me. You gotta just read the empty house part again. (laughs) Nah, fuck it. Leave it in. you do i did i'm pretty house i tried to do an auto-tune voice and i, I was like oh yeah it's literally impossible i'm sure someone can i do thought you were just doing your peter frampton impression <laughs> dude that guy's guitar is talking dude my shoes are talking relationships get the same thoughtful Don't slightly melancholy. i'm not reading you. this again daniel leary we just want to have fun you don't have to read it again it's fine Relationships get the same thoughtful, slightly melancholy treatment in The Regretful Flower, a song that aches for lasting love and grieves coming up short. Empty House uses tasteful auto-tune to to play Matt Teeson's voice like an instrument, though vocals wandering through a sparse musical space that seems representative of living in the empty space left by a once-significant relationship. This is very well-written. But it is an absolute mouthful to get out speaking aloud. For fans who miss the nonsensical punk slant of Reliant K's roots, Mrs. Hippopotamus's a tribute to the band's place of origin in Ohio will satisfy their cravings, as will the playful cat. Elephant Parade occupies the same niche and boasts a quirky, fitting use of a horn section. Even while playing with the more serious idea of feelings left unsaid as embodied by elephants in the room. Oh, is that what that song's about? The final element of classic Reliant K is this presented. The final element of classic Reliant K that is presented in the most mature light yet is the spiritual prodigal. Prodigal was what was on the board, not God. It was prodigal. There you go. Forgot about that. I don't think we've done Prodigal yet, have we? I don't think so, no. So there you go. We've only covered two of the songs now that Mm -hmm. we're on the board. Uh, Prodigal is a ballad that explores some of the tension of faith with the lyrics, I am the champion of wine, you're the bread on my tongue. I am the last one in line, the prodigal son. Unabashed, God plays like a a creed. I'm smoking. I got that one filthy habit. Or a prayer declaring over... A sweeping soundscape. I yield. I yelled in the wind. He came rolling back to me, swept me off my feet. I cried to the rain. A wise man once said, once said, all we are is yelling in the wind. He came pouring down to drown my disbelief. 
He came pouring down to drown my disbelief. <laughs> Did we just run too late? What is it? What happened to the energy here? This is a late night podcast. I felt like we had a great conversation about the song, and now I'm like ready to cut loose the party. Just into madness. This is the after party of this episode. It doesn't help that you've sat there and had a full glass of bourbon in the meantime. I had this like... This is the beginning of the podcast. I am not feeling Uh, it. I am literally not intoxicated. But good idea. I will get more perfect. Unabashed, God plays like a creed or a prayer, declaring over a sweeping... With arms wide open. (laughs) Welcome to Patreon, everyone. For those of you not subscribed, if you want to know what it's like over there, here's a taste. (laughs) He came rolling back to sweep me off rolling, my feet. Rolling, rolling, rolling. <laughs> what is that? The biscuit. He came rolling <laughs> she made a, like, back to she made a sweep me face. off my feet. I cried to the rain. He came pouring down to drown my disbelief. Oh, I believe in God. I believe in God. Perhaps one of the best ways to sum up the many elements that make up the 16 track air for free is that it feels undeniably like a reliant k record perhaps the most genuine set of songs to their identity as people as a band yet as if they are becoming increasingly themselves listeners from every chapter of reliant k's history will find moments to resonate with but far from being a retread of old terrain reliant k has displayed maturity and artistic integrity in choosing to be who they are right now rather than recapturing adolescence even in that process teeson and hoops have allowed for just the right dose of auditory nostalgia air for free has the potential to make you smile dance reflect and pray perhaps all in the same song it stands as one of the strongest offerings in reliant k's discography combining hey while you're up getting your second glass of bourbon could you also please get me my computer charger thank you okay (laughs) We started the night with Four Roses, and this is Larceny. I started the night with some chamomile tea and water, and I've moved on to non-alcoholic wine, which is not just grape juice. It's watery, sugary, like fruit water. Or wine without the booze. Now, while Jessica plugs in your computer, I would like to restate that I am not drunk at the moment. Oh, boy. (laughs) I'm telling you I'm not drunk. At the moment. It stands as one of the strongest offerings in Reliant K's discography, combining tongue-in-cheek phrasing and spiritual musings in perfect balance with a polished, slightly punk-flavored indie rock sound. If you haven't listen to reliant k in a while this album is the perfect chance to revisit them and fall in love with their sound all over again related artists switchfoot and house of heroes yeah i totally like that i agree with all of that and i think that it's just very true that you do you do and and though the writer didn't specifically state this but you do kind of grow up with reliant k through their maturing of their music yeah so like I wwf think you grow up with them throughout the attitude era and they get more mature as you go I don't even like wrestling. I don't want to give the impression. I don't know anything about wrestling. You know, The Rock says you can expect big things from The Rock in the new millennium. 
that was cool. Jessica found this video where it was like, I vaguely liked wrestling, but I did not follow it. I, like, I would watch it for the conversation because I had lots of friends who did. And I definitely watched it during, like, I don't remember the name of the eras, but the mid-90s when it was, like, on Saturday morning cartoons. <laughs> yeah, with Saturday morning cartoons. So I found this. I... I do, and I think we've talked about this before, but we do bad movie nights, and I like to put together pre-shows for it, where it's like a countdown clock shell from like an old drive-in theater, and then I play different like commercials and drive-in ads and things like that, and I did one where it was, we were going to party like it was 1999, because all the movies that night were from 1999, so they were all just like like the verge of the millenni- new millennium. And so that was like all the commercials and, and stuff that I picked for that night. And I found this clip because even though neither Danny nor I are really into wrestling, our friend John, who comes over for these, is into wrestling. And so sometimes I find different like WWE, WWF, whatever clips uh, for him to enjoy. And so I found one where The Rock is like talking about how big The Rock is going to be in the new millennium. And I'm like, it's very true. It's a self-fulfilling <laughs> prophecy right there. I'm as I'm as into wrestling as I am into Switchfoot. And that is a very accurate analogy. If you know me, which <laughs> who really does? Who knows Danny? <laughs> Nobody. I think Maybe I have you. a pretty good handle on you. Yeah. Then we have fr- over on Tumblr from Reliant K, K-A-Y. That's great. I love it. Uh... This is, I've had this idea for a while now, Reliant K's running, but with the My Girlfriend music video, hope you enjoy it. Did you get this on YouTube? That is so funny. You know what? I found that during My Girlfriend, the My Girlfriend episode, and for some reason I didn't find that this week, so I'm really glad you found it. Maybe the video, oh, no, it's playing. Okay, there we go. So it starts off with the guys running from the Marilyn Manson Ain't My Girlfriend music video <laughs> and the puppets. I always forget about the, pu- the sock puppets. Yeah. In and then it says their names, the Matt, Matt, Stephen, Brian. For Lion K. Now the mouths obviously don't. Right. It falls match. apart immediately. I remember this. I but they this. are running so accurate. Yeah. I remember this from the Marilyn Manson Ate My Girlfriend episode we did. Which I think we talked about this, but how it immediately falls apart in the lip sync. Like you needed to kind of like it does work pacing wise though. Like if you ignore the mouth movements, it does work very well pacing. I don't know why I didn't find this. Maybe it got removed from YouTube. Because where did you you found this on a blog or something, right? On a Tumblr. Yeah, is this a Tumblr video? Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, this isn't a YouTube upload, because it would have that little YouTube link in it. Okay, so this must have been removed from YouTube, so I'm glad you found it in this case. Good job, Reliant K. It's good stuff. And then we have Attraction Magazine, Stars in the Park. Christian band Reliant K on Rip Ride Rocket in September on September 12th, 2010. And here we've got a picture of <laughs> Schneck, uh, Ethan Luck, Matt Thiessen, and Let me see. John Warren. 
riding a roller coaster. It's so funny to see. I've never seen this before. I've never seen John Warren's hairline. (laughs) 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 Because his long hair is blowing in the breeze from the from the roller coaster. So it's like swept up like he's a Dragon Ball Z character. And you can see his hairline. Schneck is looking directly at the camera. He's the only one acknowledging that it's that it's that they're taking a photograph at this point in the ride. Yeah, and he also <laughs> looks like um, I mean, not so much when I look closer, but he kind of looked like David Tennant when I first looked at the picture. <laughs> a little bit, yeah, a little bit. Hit Christian rock band Reliant K spent the day at Universal Studios on September 11th, 2010, oh. before performing at <laughs> what was that? <laughs> I don't know why you reacted that badly. <laughs> you went, oh. No, no, I meant, oh, like I made, it, it triggered a thought in my head. I think that there is a video. <laughs> Sorry, I just read it. <laughs> okay, hold on. I think there's a video on the official Relying K YouTube page where they spent the day at, not they spent the day, but it's, it's like a five minute video of them at Harry Potter land. Yes. So I'm guessing that's from the same time, (laughs) unless this particular lineup of Reliant K went to Universal more than once. So, what did you read? During their visit, they met up with a few fans to experience the Hollywood Rip Ride Rocket Roller Coaster. In the front row are Matt Thiessen and John Warren, John Schneider, and Ethan Walker in the (laughs) second row. Let me see that. John Schneider. John is spelled correctly, though. Well, that's nice. <laughs> We're going to send this to John Schneck right now. <laughs> Relying K is best known for their alternative rock sound. What? Nice. <laughs> Just reminding you. And that's all I have this week. All right, so I'll try not to keep everyone too much longer after class, but uh, this is on the live album, and this is one of the best, tightest-sounding songs on the live album, where it almost feels lifted right out of the studio version, except this one thing at the very beginning. We did put out an album uh, this summer. It's called Air for Free. We're going to play a few few from that. Uh, This next one is one of them. This song is called Running. Hope you like it. So the way they play the intro there, I swear, sounds like the Home Depot theme is about to start. <laughs> oh my gosh, you're so right. So it's good, right? I mean, yeah. and, and we could sit it's here great. and play all almost six minutes of the song, but you know, all these different moments. Running, 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 
moments, movements. So I don't know. It's it's a really good performance, and there's a bunch of YouTube uploads of it. But why bother? Because they the all ultimate. sound amazing, and they're all from the same tour. So yeah, there's no point in watching any of the anyone's uploads of the that same tour. So we'll move on from that. So we've got so we'll so there's J.C. Keith's cover, of course. They redid the entire. <laughs> Relying K Air for Free album. And I can't remember how they did this because I haven't listened to this version in a while. But here we are. I actually decided not to listen, not to refresh myself on their version ahead of time. So here's JC Keith's cover of Running. Oh, they're adding a little odd uh, effect on the vocals there. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's good stuff. Yep. So, I mean, and this comes in at a tight five minutes. Nice. <laughs> so we'll skip it. We'll skip around a little bit. Let's go uh, about a minute in. Someone tell me where to. Someone tell me what from. All I can do is run. Time to time myself down to the train track and relax. Try to explain that I really feel alive. Unless I'm running for my life. Cause I'm over monsters on the bed. But I've got suspicion in my head. But I've got the cure. But I'm not so sure that I've got the cure. I can remember the days in my life. When my future looked bright. Back before mama died. So no messing around with any of the mysterious pauses or any of that stuff. And I, I, in, in, I've seen this cover so many times, but I never, I was like, yeah, the running shoes are on the train tracks. That's great. I'm so silly for never like putting that together until now when we're actually got the full context in my mind. Let's just listen to... April just like made herself the coziest little nephew just and just plunked down. <laughs> and she still has to go for a walk. So let's listen to the switch over from movement two to movement three. No, you're scared. I know you're young. So say your prayers tonight because nobody's gonna come. Because no one loves an orphan. Very pretty. Love it's that. really pretty. It's so seventies yeah, crossover country western. Thing. I swear I've compared some other JC Keith cover to Jackson Brown before. And I don't know if that is deliberate on their part, but maybe it just so happens that the piano tone that they have, if it's an, it must be an electric piano, I'm guessing. Like, whatever piano tone, electric piano, or something that they have just happens to match that Jackson Brown sound. And then Jackson Brown is like, you know, he combines, like, crossover country western with sort of 70s rock. So it when they J.C. Keith does this, they just make it sound like Jackson Brown 
Who's a problem? He's a problem. Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, and his song famously was used when Forrest Gump is running across the country. Oh. Yeah. What's that song? Tying it all back around. Right. Tying it all back around. Got some Bubba Gump trivia for you out there. <laughs> What's the song played when Forrest Running runs? on empty. There you go. Running on empty. So what a coincidence that J.C. Keith's version of Running by Reliant K sounds like Jackson Brown. Famous for the song Running on Empty. You know what else Jackson Brown music has been used in the movies for? You should know. It's one of your favorite movies. It's the one where... (laughs) It's the movie where Robert De Niro goes up to Jodie Foster and he says, Hello, I'm the taxi driver. (laughs) (laughs) Jessica loves the movie Taxi Driver. And I found this meme where it said, <laughs> well, there's a Twitter account that's like lines in movies and it's like fake moments in movies where they say the title in dialogue. And one of them, <laughs> someone shared it to Reddit and then the Twitter reposted it. So it says, <laughs> Robert De Niro saying, hello, I'm the taxi driver. And then the person on Reddit was like, he doesn't say that. <laughs> And Jackson Brown's music was used in the moment where Travis Bickle is quietly watching TV, holding his gun, which is the most beautiful moment in the in the movie. Really, it's my favorite moment in that movie. Um. Anyway, <laughs> he didn't say that. So there's two other covers. It's not the part when Martin Scorsese asks. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, let's not say that. So here's, you saw this earlier, Jessica. This is the best, let me just say, this is. I would say this, but. Let me just. Oh my gosh. I forgot this was coming. I heard Danny doing part of his, his, uh, his YouTube dive and I, I experienced this already. So this is uploaded by Creative Creature and this is an acapella version of Runnin' and it's absolutely amazing because it's like a typical widescreen aspect ratio you know not too widescreen and but then he like filmed himself across like he would take a step over every time he'd sing each part in the camera and then he edited it together so it looks like four of him are standing next to each other singing this song all i can do is run all i can do is run all i can do is run Someone tell me where to, someone tell me what from, all I can do is run. I tie myself down to the train track, gonna relax and try to explain that I really feel alive unless I'm running for my life. Cause I'm over monsters under the bed, but I got suspicion in my head that I got the cure, but I'm not so sure that I got the cure. This can't be sincere. Well, I don't know. This can't be real. We're all just creative creatures, Jessica. We're all creative creatures down deep inside. So who are you to judge? Well, here's another acapella cover. And this is the one where she's talking about wanting to spruce up her YouTube channel. You heard this earlier. But let's skip past the one minute she spends talking about how she wants to spruce up her YouTube channel. And go directly to Anna Corley's acapella cover of Run In by Reliant K. Okay, this isn't really, this doesn't count as acapella. This is just a vocal cover. 
This is this is what I would think on social media and YouTube you would call a vocal cover. Uh, acapella implies that there's going to be instruments created by mouth sounds. But so this is just her singing the song to the camera. Very beautiful voice. So here it is. Time time myself down to a train track. Gonna relax. Try to explain that I really feel alive and this I'm running for my life. Cause I'm over monsters on the bed But I've got suspicions in my head That I've got the cure But I'm not so sure that I got the cure I can remember the days in my life When my future looked bright Back before mama died Before I had dad coughing up blood in his room And the doctor said son You'll be joining him soon He is coughing up blood in his room It could be the deathbed guy but also, uh, Anna Corley looks a lot like Lauren Lapkus. She looks just like a little Lauren bit, Lapkus. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It sounds v- lovely. Very high school musical. Yeah. Earlier on, Jessica heard me playing this, and she's like, is this girl 14? And, well, the comments are on. So usually when you're underage, the comments are off. I don't know. Danny was like, no, she's like 21, and now I just saw her for the first time. I'm like, no, nah, she could be like 14. She looks like an adult to me, and she's talking about sprucing up her room for oh, her YouTube channel. Oh, that's problematic, sir. What? <laughs> that's what all men say. Ah, oh, oh. she looked 21. She oh, my God, 18. no. No. That is not even close to what is being said here at all. Totally uncomfortable. Not happy with that. So here is a ukulele cover. This is what we end on. Thanks. Now we have to end on the ukulele cover. I'm sure it's very nice. This is by Mary Claire 2.0. And my dad's final cough when they carted me off. They stuck me in hell and they gave me a cross and said, The church is all you've Yeah, it turns that hellish orphanage Mm -hmm. where they force the where they force Christ on you into like a beachy vibe. (laughs) (laughs) That was beautiful, Marie Claire 2.0. What if? Oh, you know what would be a really good FMV cut from existing media? Queen's Gambit. She gets shoved in an orphanage. (laughs) It's true. It. It's a very good point, Dan. You didn't come across any of those? I didn't. That's unfortunate. The only I found or, or Annie. Oh, that's another good one. Um, the only thing I found I found I found I'm not gonna play. Or garbage pail kids. <laughs> yeah, classic. Were they in, were they in an orphanage? I feel like there was an orphanage. They go to some building. in the movie. I don't in the, movie, in the yeah. movie. They just no. They land in like some kid's house or something. Well, they go to like a building that's orphanage like. Well. Uh, somebody uploaded a vlog called Run-In where they like drive from Florida to Atlanta to do an acting audition and they use the song Run-In a little bit in their little vlog and then they stop for coffee in Atlanta on the way home. They drove seven hours and I don't know if they got the part. I don't know what the part was for. Good for them. And then I found a Dragon Ball AMV which I was really excited was just called Run-In but it turns out it's just some other band 
her artist also with a song called Runnin' without the G and everything. So that's Runnin'. And I'll be running to the bathroom in a second because I drank so much. Not just alcohol, mostly water. I had one glass of whiskey at the beginning of this podcast four hours ago. And I had a second glass of whiskey at the very end. You're so aggressively stating that. You think... I yell... And I don't. You can Half hear the April's time. toes in the background. <laughs> I gave her a bone before the podcast, so she keeps hiding it and then deciding it's not a good enough hiding spot and then moving it to another spot before deciding that's also not a good enough hiding spot before deciding on one, like laying down on top of it or leaving it and then immediately going back and moving it again. I feel bad because I gave her something I thought she'd love and now I feel like she's just really stressed out about it. <laughs> She's April. like me. She's just filled with anxiety. She's like Matt Thiessen. She's just <laughs> filled with anxiety about, am I using my time correctly? Is this what the Lord called me to do? So, <laughs> Jessica. Yes. Do you like this song? How do you like this song? You know the metric that we rate this on. How do you rate this song? You know, it's funny because I really loved this song before. And I don't know that I like it less now. Sorry, sorry. That sounded like it was going in the wrong direction. Right. It's just, you know, I don't know. I think I just, I definitely thought about it more now. And after thinking about it more, it does make me, because of my anxieties, like it a little less, I think. But I, I don't know. The same. I Let's, think I I'll like just, it a little I'll bit. I think then. I like it a little bit more. Oh, good. Yeah. And what's your favorite version? The YouTube version or the real version? <laughs> the real version. There you go. Nobody needs 18 seconds pause between <laughs> moments Move, or measures, whatever it is. Movements, excuse me. <laughs> I'll let you go now so you can go make a movement. Thanks, everyone, for listening. <laughs> I, I, I just, I went, oh. <laughs>